who is called Messiah. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14, and the deportation uh, to Babylon to the Messiah, 14 generations. I think I might have mentioned this in here before, but this is how, this is, this is how God works. The number of words in this genealogy is evenly divisible by seven. The number of words beginning with the vowel is divisible by seven. The number of words beginning with the consonant is divisible by seven. The number of letters is divisible by seven. The number of vowels is divisible by seven. The number of consonants is divisible by seven. The number of words that occur more than one time is divisible by seven. The number of words that occur one time, only one time is divisible by seven. The number of nouns is divisible by seven. The number of non-nouns is divisible by seven. The number of proper names is divisible by seven. The number of words beginning with each letter of the alphabet is divisible by Thank you. And if you add up the value of all the letters, because it's uh, in Greek the letters have different values, it's also easily divisible by seven. And whoever figured this out has way too much time on his hands. <laughs> but this is how God works. That God puts all of this together from the beginning of time. And only God can put a genealogy together that is going to, to, to work out in this mathematical fashion. Only God can order such a life to, to declare to Abraham and to Sarah, you're going to have a kid. And then that child being in the line of Jesus and Abraham being called the father of faith and, and one of the fathers of Jesus. So we're talking about the love of the, lo the love of the Father today, and I want to look at this passage. And let me just kind of tell you a little bit about Abraham. We, we we can read this passage. I think you know it, but I'm just going to tell it to you anyway. But I want to look at it a little bit differently today, and I want to see the the love that a of the Father, and then what does that do for a child? How does a child? I believe react because of the love of a father in uh, this, this story of, um, of Abraham and Isaac. If you remember, uh, Abram and Sarai at the time um, became Abraham, Abraham and Sarah, they are not able to have a child. And I'm sure that they are going throughout uh, their entire adult life and hoping every month that the next month they will, they will have a child on the way. And I could imagine that by the time they are 70, 75, 80 years old, they're kind of looking at each other going, this ain't happening. And God comes along and says, guess what? You're going to have a child. And they say, oh, great. Thank you, Lord. And then it doesn't happen. And it doesn't happen. And they say, well, let's, let's, you know, let's try to help God out a little bit. And uh, so... Sarah gives um, her handmaid to, to Abraham and say, well, why don't you have a baby with her instead? And that happens. And, God, and Abraham says, you know, I Ishmael, that's the, that's the child's name, maybe Ishmael will, will be this child of promise. And God says, no, it's not. It's going to come through, through your wife, Sarah. And at the time that they are like 99 and, and 89 years old, Here comes their first child. 
And a lot of y'all are going, I'm way too old to do that. <laughs> we're, Ruth and I, Ruth and I are, are, are fairly young, and we're kind of going, you know, we're, you know I, I'm glad we don't have one in diapers or, you know, trying to buckle them in the car seat. It's, it's nice to just say, okay, everybody in the car, let's go. <laughs> right? You know, for them, it's uh, buckle them on the camel. Right? Um, yeah, so they're up in age. There's no physical way possible for them to have this child. But God comes along and says, this is what's happening. It is a promised child. There's, okay, if you, if you think about it this way, there's as, there's as much chance for Mary to, to have a child not knowing a man as Sarah was to have a child knowing a man at this point. Okay? Get it? It's a, it's a complete miracle that God brings this little baby into the, into the world. Now, fast forward a few years, and we get the passage that we're talking about. And God comes to Abraham, and this wonderful, miracle child. I, I, was, I, 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 um, I was talking to um, the Kabaznik's the other day, and remember Jackson? Uh, we were praying for Jackson, especially you, you ladies. Uh, little little baby was born like at 21 weeks, was it? Is that right? And uh, I found out, you know, he's he's doing really well. He's sitting up by himself, and they're they're planning on um, taking the ventilator, you know, weaning him off the ventilator this next year. Um, he's a miracle child. Okay, this is a miracle baby to to be born at, at, at half the time and spend months and months and months and months in the um, hospital. Okay. Isaac is a miracle child. This is a miracle to have a kid at this point. And God comes to this father who loves this miracle baby and says, take your son, Your only son. He, remember, he had Ishmael, right? No, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. I want you to take this miracle child. I want you to go up on top of a mountain. I want you to stick him on a bunch of wood I want you to kill him, and I want you to burn him until there's nothing left. The son whom you love. The first time that I could find that love is in the Bible is the father's love, Abraham's love for his son, Isaac. And it's when God says, go kill him. And you know the story. Abraham says, no thanks, and he see he runs away. No. He gets up the next day, and he takes Isaac. He chops some wood, takes the wood with him, gets a couple of his servants, and they head out. And on the third day, they, they see the mountain, and it says that 
um, Abraham took the wood and he had Isaac carry it. Can you imagine this? Of course, Abraham's well, he's well into his hundreds now, and Isaac is old enough to be a strapping young, young man. Here, here's the wood, son. Carry the wood. And at this point, Isaac says, um, hey, Dad, uh, we've got the wood. We've got the fire for the offering. I mean, they, they know what it is to have a, a burnt offering. Hey, wh- where's the lamb? What do you tell your kid? God himself will provide the lamb. And they go to the mountain that, that God shows them. They, Abraham leaves his servants there, and, and it's just Abraham and Isaac that go up this hill. And the, Isaac's carrying the wood. Can you imagine Abraham saying, okay, now, all right, son, lay the wood out there. And he binds them, and he, he okay, son, Hop, hop on the wood there. The, the stuff that you just carried, hop on that wood. I'm going to bind you to it. And then he takes the knife. Now, my thought, this, is what, this isn't in the Bible specifically, but I'm thinking, okay, Abraham's well into his hundreds. Isaac's a young, strapping boy. And he's volunteering for this. I, I bet you he could outrun his dad. <laughs> Not sure, but you know, I, my bet is he could outrun him. He could probably even overpower him. But he doesn't. He says, all right, I'll lie down. And when Abraham takes the knife, he hears the angel He's about to strike, and the angel says, Wait, Abraham, Abraham, hold up. Don't hurt the, don't hurt the child. And then he looks over, and there's a ram caught in the thicket. He says, Ah, God provides the ram. God provides. Now, the love of a father for a child I believe, is what gave Isaac the ability to walk with his dad. So I think, you know, the first thing that that you see is the the love of a father for a son, uh, for a child, um, gives the ability to respond to his voice, to respond to his voice. As I said, you know, number one, you see with Abraham first, God tells Abraham, take your son and go. And so he gets up, but Abraham gives, obviously gives a command. He gets his son, he gets his servants, he chops the wood, he gets everything together, and they go. You have to hear your, the voice of the father. That's part of the love and the relationship that you have with the father is hearing and responding to the voice, I um, I heard a story about about sheep. You know, we're supposed it, the scripture says that the the sheep know the voice of their master, that their shepherd. And I I 
heard somebody who saw this and how this actually works. Because a lot of times, you know, you will have a, a shepherd or shepherdess and the flock. And then there will be something that comes up, like a storm, uh, a sandstorm or, or weather. And so they end up mixing all the flocks together. They, they'll maybe take shelter in a, um, some ruins or a cave or, or something. And you might have, you know, four or five shepherds and, you know, these four or five different flocks and all the sheep are all together. And I don't, okay, I, I'm, not, I'm not a big sheep person. <laughs> uh, some of you all know, know sheep a lot better than I do. But sheep tend to look the same to me. You might, you know, you may be able to distinguish, okay, there's a black sheep, there's a white sheep, there's one with spots, there's one with stripes, you know. I, but when you're talking 40 or 50 sheep, I mean, I, how do you tell them all apart, right? I can't. But the sheep know the voice of their master. And evidently, and I, I heard a guy who actually saw this happen, the... Um, the shepherd or the shepherdess, uh, usually with a, a young child, a fairly young child, um, when there was, it was time for them to set out, they would just start walking off and start singing. And all the sheep would, of that shepherd, would start following. And so, you know, the other one would, would start, walk off and start singing or whatever, and the sheep from that shepherd would, there, there, there was no having to separate the sheep. They knew the voice of their shepherd or their shepherdess because a lot of times it was a young, a young lady that was, uh, would actually be watching the sheep. And the sheep knew the voice and would, would just start following. But, you know, I, I kind of get the feeling that the sheep knew that shepherd and knew the love and the... Um, Interaction, you know, the, the the shepherd would take care of the sheep. The shepherd would make sure that the sheep had the the food and the water necessary, and there was that that interaction with them. And so, when the shepherd took off, the sheep went with them. The love that the father has for us, the father has for a child, gives you the op- the ability to hear and to respond when he speaks. Just like one of those sheep. When the father speaks, you can hear and you respond because of the love that is there in between the father and the child. So it's not just uh, responding to his voice, but um, trusting in a, in a difficult task. Or you know, when, when he gives a command, um, going, going ahead and trusting in that command. You know, I, th- I think about um, Isaac having to carry the wood. You know, it's, it's really, it's just a task. You know, and a lot of times the Lord will, will give us tasks to do that have different levels of difficulty to them. Some of them are not too bad, right? Some of them are a little more difficult to do. But... When the Lord speaks and tells us that we need to go ahead and do something because of the love that he has, because of that love for the child, we can trust and say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and step out and do this task. And I've, I've been there myself when the Lord has said, look, Ryan, I, I want you to go ahead and to 
do something for me. I remember um, I was serving at a church in Norman, and uh, I um, was having to leave that, that position, and I, I immediately began to think of these different church jobs I could get. I, had, I knew of two different pastors that were looking for somebody at the time, and I believe I probably could have called either one of them up and said, hey, I'm in need of a spot. You know, um, can, do you have an open door for me? And I think probably either one would have said, yeah, come on. And uh, the Lord said no. He said, I want you to stay at this church. And I said, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> do you know what that means, Lord? And he said, no, I, if you go the other way, he said, I'll bless you. But if you follow me, I'll really bless you. I said, okay, Lord, I'll follow. And so we stayed. And it was really, really hard, really difficult. But I knew the love of the Father, and I was able to, because of the love, I could trust and say, okay, Lord, I know that you've got what's best for me. Even though it's a, a difficult task, um, I'm going to go ahead and follow through because of the love that I knew the Father had. So hearing his voice, taking on the tasks. Ultimately, though, when you have a, um, a task that is a dire circumstance, to be able to be silent amidst the dire circumstance. And what I mean by this, you, you think about Isaac. It, the Bible just may not record, but he's on the wood getting ready to be burned and you don't hear a peep out of him. He asked the Lord, he asked his dad, hey dad, you know, he gets the wood, hey dad, where's 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 the lamb? But after that, there's nothing. He doesn't get up there and say, um, uh, dad, do you, do you really know what you're doing? Oh, dad, um, uh, you know, d uh, I, I'd rather not do this right now. Uh, dad, you know, can, can we can we look? If you said God was going to provide the lamb, can we look a little bit harder, please? Right. But the ability to be silent in the dire circumstance, and what I mean by that is to. Let God be God and to not question. A lot of times we get to a, a circumstance that's it's more than just a task, but it's something where you, you say, I'm not sure I can go through this. I'm not sure there's any, any getting out of this. I think about, um, you know, just you know, the next book of the Bible when the Israelites get to the Red Sea. And uh, they're saying, we sh why did you take us out of, the, of Egypt? We're going to die right here because the Egyptians are coming to us. And, and um, uh, Moses looks, you know, turns to God, and God says, what are you turning to me for? He said, uh, go forward. Be silent and go forward. The Lord will do it while you keep silent. And what I think he was saying is, stop complaining. Zip it. And watch what I do. That was my interpretation. Okay? So it's, it's that trust in the Lord that even in the dire circumstances, 
I'm not going to get out of line. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to uh, try to wiggle out of it. I'm going to trust the Lord, even in the dire circumstance. I think about um, a, uh, one of the first, not the first martyr, but one of the early martyrs, Polycarp. Anybody heard of, ever heard of Polycarp? Um, Polycarp, they, they believe, was a disciple of the Apostle John. So very, very early on, and they, um, he, he served the Lord really, really faithfully. He was the Bishop of Smyrna, and um, they, the, the Romans had, had gotten hold of him. And uh, he, he was older. He's, he's like 86 at the time. And um, they were trying to get, give him a way out. And he'd be, they'd basically say, look, if you just recant, we'll let you live. And he, he famously says, um, he said, 86 years have I served him, and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king and my savior? And every time, you know, they tried to give him these, uh, an opportunity. You know, we'll, we'll throw, you to the, throw you to the wild animals. He said, bring him on. We'll, we'll burn you alive. Light the fire. I'd rather burn in this fire here than to burn in the fires of eternal judgment. And his, his martyrdom, what, what's written about it, is that, um, so they did uh, gather wood for a fire, and they were going to nail him to a, a, a beam so he, he couldn't escape. And he said, no, I'm okay. Just, just So they, they just bound him there and put him, on the, put him at the fire. And when they lit the fire, the people who uh, witnessed it said there was just this kind of um, uh, almost a, a halo around where he was and that he glowed not like someone who was being burned, but like a, a loaf of bread that was hot out of the oven. And the fire actually was not burning him. And it said when, when they realized that they could not burn him, they actually sent somebody with a, a dagger or a spear to, um, to kill him. And he, he said the blood and water flowed out so much that it, it doused the entire fire. But that was how he died, and he died in such a way that he, he, would, n- he, he would not recant. He would not say a word against the Lord. He, he was a, it was a dire circumstance that he just said, come and do your worst. I'm going to serve the Lord anyway. In those dire circumstances where we have that much trust in the love of our Lord or where we start trying to wiggle out. When we, have, when we know the love that, that God has for us, then we will um, have that trust in those circumstances. Now, that's a really dire circumstance with Polycarp. But a lot of times, and I think a good portion of the time, the love of the Lord actually will bring provision. And we know with, with Isaac, of course, as the story I just told, you know, there was the ram that God provided in the thicket. 
Some of us may face those dire circumstances where there really is no room to get out. But a lot of times, the Lord, he will provide the way if we will just trust. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. When we trust, the Lord will, will so much of the time provide either the way of escape or provide the way for us to, um, uh, to go through our circumstance rather than to um, get complaining and, and try to wiggle out of it. And I know so, so many of you all have, have had that happen when um, you, you, need, you need X amount of dollars in order to be able to get through the month. And you say, I, I, I don't know how in the world we're going to make it this month. And I've told you, I've told you our story where that's happened to us. And we've just said, okay, I'm going to give the money to the Lord anyway. I'm going to give what he's told us to give. And all of a sudden, the Lord provides more than enough. And um, he's done that for us on a number of occasions. You know, but it's not just in provision for, for money. It's provision when um, it seems like there's not a way of escape out of, out of sin. And all of a sudden, the Lord will open a door where you can, you can escape and you don't have to um, go through uh, circumstances. He'll, he'll provide ways um, where uh, you have family relations that you just need a miracle in. And he'll provide a way. Now, I believe so much with, with the church in general. Okay? We have a love problem. And you guys are a loving group, okay? So don't, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not scolding you, okay? You, you all have a lot of the love of the Lord in your hearts. And it's great to see. You all do. You really do. But I think we can do more. And I think the church as a whole has a love problem. I don't think we love enough. And I don't, not, I don't think we love each other enough, although I think we do love each other. And I really don't believe we love the, uh, love the world enough the way God loves the world. If we did, we'd be sharing. I'm sick for myself here. You know, when, when I walk down the street, 95% of the time, I'm, I'm not looking around going, they're going to hell, and they're going to hell, and they're going to hell. They need Jesus, they need Jesus, they need Jesus, they need Jesus, they need Jesus. I don't love them enough. I think psychologists would tell you that in order to be able to give love, you have to be able to receive love. Right? I think they would even go one more step and say that uh, you have to have a, a healthy love of yourself. Okay, not, not, not talking about a narcissistic, you know, the world revolves around me, but to a, a healthy, you know, I be, you know, I'm glad about who God made me to be. Love, okay? And then you have to be able to receive love to be able to give love. And what I believe as a, each one of us needs, and the church needs, is to be able to receive more of the love of God for us. To be able to see how much he really 
loves us. Because this story of Abraham, getting back to where I started, is really the story about Jesus. The love of a father, God the Father, who sent the promised son. Hearing, I'm going to give this only son, the son who you love, to go and to die. And to give the son a really difficult task, I want you to go and to live like one of them. To tell that son, like you said it, I want you to carry that cross on your shoulder. That thing you're going to die on, carry it. To come to that extremely dire circumstance where Jesus is put on the cross. And, you know, it's, he, he didn't utter a word. I mean, we know he said there a few things, but he didn't, he didn't call and say, God, you know what, I, just, I changed my mind. You know, could you, could you come and help me out now? Would you send those 10,000 angels right now? Would you just, let, I tell you what, let's get together, we'll eliminate the Romans, and we'll do this differently, okay? Let, or why don't you send another flood, all right? Let's just start, we'll start over. He didn't. He went through it. And he went through it for us. He trusted in the love of the Father that, the, that he was not going to leave him dead on the cross. And ultimately, even though Jesus went through those really dire circumstances, he went through them. And the lamb, the ram was provided for us but is also provided in such a way for Jesus and that God raised him up. He didn't leave him dead. God didn't, God didn't leave him on the cross. God didn't leave him in the tomb. But God made the way that ultimately God would get glory because Jesus rose from the dead and ascended to the right hand of the Father where he is worshipped and every knee in heaven and earth shall bow. The love of the Father and the love of the Father for us, that he would send his son to be born into our world. And I believe if we can get more of the love of the Father and realize more how much that love is for us, for you, for me, for our families, the more we can receive of that love, the more we'll love each other, the more we'll love the world around us, the more love we'll have for our family, the more love we'll have for those who are walking down the street, the more love we'll have for all of those people that we come in contact with at work or at school or at, um, you know, uh, wherever we are on a daily basis. So that's what I want to pray over us today, is that our hearts will be opened up to receive more of 
the love that the Father has for us, that we will realize what it took for him to send Jesus, how much he loves us so that we can in turn love each other and love the world around us. Amen, so let's, let's pray. Lord, boy, what an amazing God. Father, forgive us for not realizing your love. Forgive us for taking advantage of it. Forgive us for letting it be passe or just grow cold. Father, this morning, break our hearts to he to for us to understand more of how much you truly love us. How much you've done for us, how much you've given for us. So that we can love you and trust you more and love others more. Lord, let your love come and touch each one of us this morning. And let us never be the same. Let us encounter pure love and never be the same. We thank you for it.